0: This program made possible by grants from Nemo Health, Speakeasy, TrackNet, and DocShop Pro. In just a moment, the program will begin. Okay, John, we are live. Here we go. Episode number, say, seven, I think it is. You're losing count, aren't you? I I am totally losing count of what's going on. So um, yeah, we're at episode seven, which is really, really good. We've got an exciting episode. We've got two guests on at the same time that we'll talk about in just a minute. Um, we've got a puzzler to get to, um, and we've got some email to get to, so it's an exciting, great episode, and tonight's episode is going to all uh, encompass branding, branding your office, uh, giving, uh, a little notoriety to yourself, and how do you do that? We've got two guys that are going to be on tonight, two doctors, that have done a, a fantastic job of doing that, and that's no easy task in today's environment, in today's world, but somehow they have figured out to do it. So, uh, let's just quickly talk a little bit about, uh, some of the email that we've gotten because, uh, email, uh, it gives us an indication of, uh, what's going on in the world. And we got, uh, a lot of email about our speakeasy episode. And that was the episode we did a while back. Uh, we did do a little bit, um, We did do a little bit with it um, when we had Vince Butacchi on, and uh, then we did a whole episode on it. But it's incredible to me that the amount of uh, people that have actually emailed, have demoed it, and it's kind of flying off the shelves, that Speakeasy product. Um, Mm Being in practice and understanding that, uh, I I just can't uh, I can't understand why anybody would not use it because the amount of time saving. Well, I think
1: Vince, I think Vince confirmed our our biggest fear. Or even during COVID, the audits are going to ramp up tremendously. And lo and behold, they have. We're hearing from lots of doctors who unfortunately, are are really getting hammered with audits.
0: Yep. Yep, absolutely, and, and uh, this is an easy way. I think we're probably going to do another episode on it. I, I see it coming because I'm getting 100 questions constantly on it, and it's something that helps everybody. But let's, yeah. uh, let's uh, move off of the email, and let's talk a little bit about our guests tonight um, so we will figure out uh, uh, what's going on with them. So we have two people, uh, two doctors, uh, two colleagues. Uh, one is Dr. Peter Wishney. You know Peter very, very well. Um, I've known Peter for quite some time through the, uh, practice management academy, uh, when I remember of Peter, uh, he is involved pretty heavily in the top practices, um, uh, empire. I say empire because there's a lot of people that participate with that. Um, I, and I'll have to ask him, but I think I remember something called Wishney university. So we've we'll, we'll got to ask him what that means because I think uh, uh, that, that is something important in his life. I know he has two offices. He has four associates, so he's a very, very big practice. Um, and if you ask the average podiatrist who Peter Wishney is, they'll know who he is. So that's part of the branding, and, and we'll get his story and how he got there. And our second guest is uh, Brad Schaefer, which a lot of people probably know from uh, the TLC program, My Feet Are Killing Me. And it's one of those programs that's kind of like a live uh, documentary that follows uh, Brad along while he sees patients and talks about encountering patients and all the weird things that happen in a podiatry office. Not that we would know any of that, but <laughs> I guess the public is is starving for that kind of stuff. So that's, that's really, really good. So uh, anything else you want to add before I bring him in?
1: Nope. I think uh, we'll let each of them talk a little bit about themselves once they're in. All right. Let's see. Oh,
0: there they are. Okay. We got you both. Uh, hey, guys. There they are. There's Brad. There's Peter. Yes. Hey guys. Excellent. So, uh, first of all, thank you both for coming on because uh, in this hectic world of ours, it's difficult to grab anybody at night and get them uh, not just go from the office to go to go to bed or grab a alcoholic beverage and then go to bed because we know how practice is. Uh, so thanks for coming on. Um, we've got a ton of questions that we want to ask you. So we'll try and keep it concise as possible. Uh, John, you want to lead us off and uh, let's talk to them about branding sure. and, and the whole. Story. Yeah,
1: a- absolutely. And I think what we'll do here is go back and forth, guys. So, Peter, I'm going to start with you, um, you know, age. Before beauty, um, if you, <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to ask you to tell a little bit more about yourself than what Jeff went over. Um, tell us about um, you know where you are, what you're doing, your company. Um, you certainly have branded yourself as a practice management guru. Your book, talk about all of that if you will.
2: All right. So, like I said, I uh, think I told you once before. It's hard talk about yourself, but, uh, you know, and right now where I'm, I'm like in my, uh, I think it's my kitchenette. I think they call it here in an apartment in New Jersey. But I think what you really mean is that I've been practicing for almost 31 years. I never worked for anyone. I went to school in San Francisco, part of the California college of podiatric medicine at the time, which is now the Samuel Merritt school um I'm born and raised in Washington Heights Manhattan um that's where this accent comes from and um so I then did my residency in Queens but then I did my fellowship in Jerusalem Israel and you remember John at the time um when we went to school uh, we didn't have enough residencies for everyone there was like only like one year and some two-year programs yeah so one-year program and Definitely wanted to do a second year. So I applied for this fellowship in Israel and the late uh, Dr. Paul Shear, who was my biomechanics professor and mentor in uh, in school, and also my residency director in Israel. uh, I got the program and it was like the best year of my life. Um, I traveled throughout the country, went to Egypt, and saw things that I probably would never have seen being in the United States. So after that, um, I decided to own my own practice and, uh, not to work for anyone. I was looking to be an associate, but I decided to own my own practice and I found one in lovely downtown Piscataway, New Jersey, where the home of, uh, the Rutgers Scarlet Knights play, um, at the time the New Jersey Nets played there too. Um, I, um, you know, I was 29 years old. Just think about it. being 29 years old, having your own practice. Not knowing what I was doing. Peter, did,
0: did you buy a practice or you just open? From yeah, spread? so I
2: bought a practice. Yeah, great question I bought a practice and it cost me about a hundred thousand hmm. dollars. I um, Had a I, um, Had a, like a credit line for hundred thousand dollars and also a hundred thousand dollars on my third forms so be so my own first my first patient it was, I was like three hundred thousand dollars in debt and I um, I will tell you. The first day I walked into my practice, I walked in and I, had a, I went through the front door. I was so like excited, seeing my name on the door, you know, all that. I walked in. There's this old gentleman sitting in the waiting room, my first patient ever, and he said to me, "Who are you?" And I said, "I'm uh, um, Doctor Wishni, the new doctor here." He said, "Where's the other doctor?" Where's the doctor I've been seeing? I don't want to say his name. May he rest in peace. But, I, you know, where's the other doctor? And he says, well, he he retired. And he looked at me and said, I'm out of here. He got up with <laughs> this thing and like little Walter Rinchel walked out. and he says, I'm out of here. And I'm going like $300,000 and I'll lose my first patient.
0: That,
1: that's great. I'm going to ask you to elaborate on that story shortly. Sure. But now I'm going to just uh, go to Brad. And I think everybody watching probably recognized Dr. Schaefer Mm -hmm. from his his television exposure. So Brad, talk a little bit about, if you will, how in the world did all of that get started for you? Sure. Um, Well, thank you for having me. Uh, My
3: name is Brad Schaefer. Uh, I've been uh, in practice now for seven years. I'm an associate of Dr. Wishney's at uh, Family Foot and Ankle Specialist. Um, you know, but, you know, the reason I'm on here and uh, the reason you asked me to be on here is, you know, really because of social media and, you know, the presence we have with the TV show, uh, My Feet Are Killing Me on TLC. Um, you know, I think ultimately getting started in medicine as a doctor is is very challenging. then um, branding yourself and trying to go out on a limb and, uh, you know, promote yourself Via pictures on Instagram or Facebook, and then your practice. Um, But you know what? At the end of the day, that's kind of the world that we are in. Uh, Whether you're promoting yourself, your practice, uh, results, whether it be pre op, post op, you know, things like that in a surgical sense. Um, What really, you know, I think brought a lot of light to myself was the transparency that I was giving people on Instagram. I was very open and honest about who I am as a person, um, how long it took me to get to where I am and the hard work it took. Um, honestly, TLC, I think, was looking for just like a spin-off to Dr. Pimple Popper. And her pops and amazing stuff that she was putting out there, you know, really brought a lot of people to, you know, that world. Um, and I think they were kind of looking for something different and feet are absolutely different. So... That's where myself came in and Dr. Ebony from California. Uh, So they found us on Instagram and uh, different other media outlets. And, you know, they asked us to be a part of something like this. And I just thought a great idea from Jump didn't know where it was going to go because, honestly, who really likes all kinds of stuff like that? But there's a market for it. And if you're, you know, you're marketable and you're honest and you're just relatable, I think that's, you know, really resonates. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. The bigger the
1: train wreck, the more people want to <laughs> more people want to see it. That, so Brad and Jeff, I'll, I'll let you ask your question because I know you have one. But Brad, I always thought and this was just an assumption of mine. I always thought that uh, the exposure from the Titan games was how TLC found you. But I guess not. huh?
3: Now, a lot of people do think that. And I definitely understand why, um, you know, I was. Also on uh, NBC, the Titan Games, and that's more of like a fitness type reality show um, with the rock. And that was an amazing experience in itself. Um, But I was actually, I was really just a small part of that show, just a contestant. Um, Really, it was my Instagram account uh, that they found me through that. Uh, The Titan Games also found me through my Instagram account. And while I was out there filming the Titan Games, um, I was actually meeting with the producers from the show. So they, they kind of, um, they had nothing to do
0: with each other. But, so that's, um, that's unique exactly. in itself. Sure.
1: Yeah, that exemplifies the power of, of uh, branding yourself and social media.
0: So I'm sorry. Uh, John, that brings up two questions that I have to ask. First, because I do watch the Titan games. Is The Rock not the biggest human being you've ever seen in your entire life? Because that guy, yeah, he's, he sticks his hand out. It's like bigger than most people's heads so yeah just confirm that he's
3: he's massive i mean i'm not i'm not a big guy and when i just when i shook his hand i mean his first off, his hand like dwarfed mine and then you go in for kind of that bro type hug and i mean he just engulfed me it was like it it was amazing uh but you know what uh such a cool individual he would just you know relax with us between you know filming and he was he was honestly just one of the guys
0: it's good to hear the uh, the other thing that you yeah. mentioned, and I think this is really important and essential to this branding idea is, people always say, "Oh, he's lucky," or he did. I'm not a believer in luck. I am a believer in you do things that set up the issues for you to get the opportunities. And you're a good example of that. You were heavy into Instagram or whatever social media you were doing uh, were the building blocks for you to be seen. And then the Titan Games was another building block. And you add all these blocks together hence the luck or the self-made opportunities that people don't realize all these small steps uh, got got you or that's the uh, blueprint to the to the branding issues.
3: I couldn't agree more. I, when people say you're lucky, I, I, guess I do kind of believe in luck a little bit. There is luck that is involved in in you know, things like this. Uh, but I'll tell you what, man, it, it's work uh, going out there and working a full job. Um, seeing your patients doing surgery, you know, and then trying to be active on social media and responding to followers. Like a lot of people will just put something up. I was actively answering my DMS, which are, are the messages that come through, whether it be podiatry questions, you know, lifestyle fitness questions. I was answering everything, um. I'm not saying that didn't drive me nuts, you know, at times because it's a lot of work, um, it, and it did. But you know what? I kept plugging away at it, um, and I wanted to see where this would take me. And um, the first opportunity, like you said, was the Titan Games, and um, honestly, I thought that would probably be it. Um, and then, you know, my feet are killing me came knocking, which was uh, which was awesome in itself.
1: That's great. That's fantastic. So let's uh, let's turn to another story that absolutely had nothing to do with luck. Peter, you're now $300,000 in debt. Right. And and you walk into a practice and your very first patient, you lose. But look at where you are today. What happened that transformed and evolved you from that day to today?
2: My lack of patience. And people told me that it takes two, three years to establish yourself and and to get into the black. I said, I don't have the time for that. I don't have the finances for that. And throwing it out to the universe that I need help. I don't think anyone becomes successful by themselves. I think we all need maybe mentors, group of people, um, just advice, what have you. And it it was the facts that came through. Those days, the fax, you, it comes out, it's usually a menu, but we got a fax. And it, and it said, come learn how to run your medical practice You know, in New York City, two-day event, $99. So I did. And lo and behold, after spending hours with this so-called consultant, um, hours I'm talking about, remember, I'm $300,000 in the hole. I laid down two credit cards, maxed them out. Spent 18 grand, or have a consultant for another year because I said something. I, you know what? I know podiatry. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm only 29, but I know at least enough to handle the day-to-day stuff at that age. But um, I did not know how to run a practice. Um, my father, who business um, person, was long gone already, and so I said, "What the heck? You know, I spent all this money on school. Let's take a few more." classes. You know, let's go back to school. Um, I and I think like Brad, the one thing and like everybody on this on this call right now, the one thing we have is we believe in ourselves. So the, the, the fact that you can believe in yourself, just they need to know where do I get this information because I will make it happen. And I did whatever it took to make it happen. And after one year, I netted six figures. And because you just do what you have to do, staying up at past midnight, in those days, there was no internet. I took old mailing lists, stuffed envelopes, you know, through the night, had bags of mail, went to the post office, mailed these letters, um, had open houses, you know, people come in, wine and cheese parties for the neighbors and, and for the uh, referring, possible referring doctors, you do whatever it takes. And yeah. that, that's, so that's really, like I said, lack of patience because I'm ready to work, but I need to know what is the best way to get this job done.
1: Yeah. So I guess the lesson from both of you actually is a lesson that probably many of our dads instilled or or parents instilled into us. And, and it's very simple. You get out of life, what you put into it. You know, it's, it's that simple. If you put X in, you're going to get X out. If you put X, Y, Z in, you're going to get X, Y, Z out. Um, so that's, that's a great story. So this is for both of you and you could answer this together, you know, or collaborate on it. You have a group practice, and I'm sure many people listening are interested in how that group practice works cohesively, collaboratively. How do you, um, how do you communicate with each other, particularly across locations? How do you stay cohesive with clinical protocols? And Peter, this will be for you. How, do you. how do you decide what metrics to monitor to keep everybody on the same page? So talk about that, either one of you or both of you.
2: I'll, I'll let Brad start because I think it's a great viewpoint from, and Brad's not new, Brad's been with us for eight years and Brad is just an amazing doc and what have you. So I like to hear what he has to say and I'll throw in the metrics and all that.
3: Thank you. Um, yeah, no, I've, I've been with Dr. Wishney's practice um, since residency. So this is really all I've known. Um, but it was very easy, you know, coming out of residency, having uh, somebody that, A, I could relate to um, you know, for a variety of reasons, but B, you know, his practice immediately was about like protocols and systems. Um, I came from that with like an athletic background. I always had a routine. I always had, you know, protocols that I followed and, you know, he kind of knew exactly what, uh, was going on in, in this world. Um, and I just wanted to soak it all up. And that's exactly what I did. And lo and behold, I'm still here. Um, But, you know, we're we're definitely putting our minds together for future endeavors. But, you know, it was very easy for me knowing that he had already things set in place. Um, The way he monitors and manages things is, um, you know, we have a computer system that you can really just put in your production and figure out how you can beat yourself each week, month, day, whatever. And I do that. I challenge myself every, you know, day or week to try to top what I did, you know, last year, and it's it's easy with the systems and protocols that he has in place, uh, my friends and stuff, they don't have anything like that. It's, it's very hard to figure out what you're doing on a day to day basis. Um, and like I said, it was it was already in place. So I'm, I was a sponge. And I, I, I would like to continue to think I am still.
2: So there's the key right there, like, the ability to look at numbers, okay, not just the owner, okay, which most owners don't even look at their numbers, right, John, but uh, yeah, but we're talking about their, their associates and partners don't have the ability, the capability to look at the numbers because the owner doesn't wa- doesn't want to share those numbers with them. So how do you expect them to know how well they're doing? How do you give them like, this is where we need to go, this is what I expect from you, but how can they measure that if they're not allowed to look at their production and just guess, um, there's nothing to, you can't hide, you know? Um, you know, so it's an, my, my system's an open book. Let them look at everything. If they have questions and Brad does. The other docs do, they come to me. And other how, often,
1: how often do you guys have meetings to discuss? Yeah, so
2: that's, you know, I was talk about every Monday? So what happens is uh, every single person in the office has a key metric. Some of them have two or three and they will email those numbers to me by one o'clock on Friday. Not just a number, but a graph with a line and analysis of why that line went up or down and what can they do this week to maintain or grow or do something differently. And they bring that information to the meeting on Mondays and we talk about it. And we talk about some pressing issues and then the docs um, and the the leadership of the office in other words the administrator the marketing director the financial director will all meet in a in a room once a month and we'll just have a discussion there and discuss like what we need to do as well uh, to grow um either grow or you sink there's no like i want to stay stable um the moment you say oh, this is fantastic i just want it to stay just like this But most people don't know how they got to that point. That is actually, I wrote at the end of the book, you know, um, keep your eyes on the prize. Because if you don't do that, you're gonna gonna wanna know why it was so good at one moment and it sucks at another moment. Mm -hmm. Because we know when things are bad, we could probably figure out why things got bad. But when things are going well, we forget. I don't know how I got here.
0: One of the the things that, Peter, that you said, and and, uh, you should elaborate on this because I don't think people see this. In today's environment, uh, all of us have been in solo practice, and all of us have been in group practice. Um, And I I was in a group practice. There were four of us, and then we had two associates on top of it. And John, you were in a group practice, and Brad, you're innately in a group practice now. And Peter, you started by yourself, and you, you grew to that. Um, there isn't a huge advantage at being in a group practice. Not only in the branding of it, is that you have this group power, financial power now, to get what the practice needs. It's a different thing if I wanted to go out and buy a $50,000 x-ray machine as a solo practitioner versus the group money where a group can do that. But the branding of it is, if you're a patient looking at to come to a new practice and you see there's more than one doctor there's a level of comfort to that and uh, people don't address that much. But I, I wonder if you've seen that over the years of being in solo practice and now that you're with with this group, uh, whether there's an advantage to that as, as a branding piece.
2: You want to answer that, Brett, or. Is that to me? Um,
3: no, I, I definitely I, I see that. Uh, I even know just with myself, you know, if I go to a, a private practice, you know, you Know my medical issues, it is nice to have a group um, or a system. You know, uh, with, with what Dr. Wishney and myself have, yeah, we have like you know, four plus doctors working uh, together. Um, so we all are on the same page. Um, and that's one thing that's that's nice is if I'm out one day because of whatever, you know, I know Dr. Wishney or you know, Dr. Kozowski or Bonin, you know, everyone, we're all on the same page. And that's one thing that he instilled in me, you know, early on is that we all kind of have. The same, yeah. We all have autonomy. Don't get me wrong, but we all have, you know, the same protocols where we do on visit one, two, or three.
0: That's severely important. I know, John, you've talked about that too many times. Is if you go to a, a group practice as a patient, and, and the one doctor's not there, and you see the other doctor, and they totally go off the rail and treat you differently, you wonder, what? Why is this doctor treating me like this? The other one treated me this way. So that, that is a severe important piece on branding yeah. your practice also, making sure that consistent, consistency is there. And I could just see Peter with a whip, like standing there going, you guys are going to do this, you <laughs> women are going to do this. And dare you do something different. I'll see it. I'll see it immediately in the percentage point.
2: And <laughs> hey Jeff, so actually there's a point where I think Brad loosened me up a little bit on that. Um, you know, what I did, I always have a belief it's like, this is the end result, and when it comes to your staff, this is the end result. And if you can show me a better way to get that end result, I'm all for it, okay? But if you're not getting that result, okay, and you change the protocols and systems, that's where I have the issue. And it gets to a point where, you know, there might be some like young associates on watching this, and I, my view is rehire like I just, we just hired a brand new doc. We just hired you because we put the systems and protocols in place to make the income in order to hire you. So maybe for the first six months, a year, follow them. See what happens. This is what Brad did. And then you can tweak them to your own personality, to what's good in your hands, okay? And knowing that you really care about growing the practice as well, it's fine, okay? But well, let's discuss it as a group because maybe learn something or you're doing something that's better. Like I learned something from Brad actually the for, for, for first uh, couple of months. I learned how to like get patients second and third pairs of orthotics. I was giving them a pair of orthotics and they're doing fine. Brad has a whole list. He's got patients again, second pairs and third pairs of orthotics. I'm going, what are you doing with these numbers? Like Your numbers are like crazy. And he told me and we put that into place and all of us are doing that now. And we got our staff. Following that protocol and getting patients like the dress pair and a regular pair and maybe a third pair They if they want them or what have you so you can learn from each other I learned a lot surgically as well from the young guys. That's the greatest thing about Being the older guy over the years. I learned so much from my young associates. I changed my suture material I changed just the way I do certain things Um, and I graduated we didn't put screws in for us yeah i mean, it's through k wires and everything so, right so
0: peter i hate to admit it when i was first out nobody was wearing gloves <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah um, me no. too i could brag to tell you, i used to not wear gloves when i was kind of toenails. So who was yeah. gloves? Toenails?
1: Yeah, you were you were using you're so old you were using a hammer and chisel
0: <laughs> so let well, me put them both on the spot john because we're, we're getting close to time yeah, um, and i have one final question before we end with, okay. With, so with. I just wanted to ask this. So uh, since the whole thing has been branding, if you look at your practice, your group practice here, the family foot and ankle specialists, um, and if somebody were to describe them, what, what would they say? What is, what is the uh, impression that your brand want, you want to leave a patient with, whether they're first looking at to come to you or they've been to you? What, what would you say in a really quick synopsis of uh, hey, you know we're we're smart, or hey, we respect patients, or what is it that you strive, and what is it that you drive home to your staff, to your associates, to everything around, to make your practice what is it difficult?
2: So um, they there's can, they care, care, you know. So there's one thing that I drive home to our staff and there's only one thing. So I don't believe in policies, I believe in systems and protocols, That's different. There's only one policy. And that is to keep the patient happy as long as it is legal and ethical. Okay, and um, that is what we do. So then you can have your sub whatever sub vision. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Well, they want to be seen on time, okay, they'll be treated with respect, they want to make sure you're listening. And everybody will tell you they do that. Okay. But really, the goal is to get them so elated that they refer other people.
0: Yeah. And that's along the lines of what Brad was saying. They care. You know, you go to this office, you feel you can feel that. So that's a good, good brand. John, your your final question?
1: That was a great question, Jeff. Um, Yeah. So really, we'll we'll end Brad and and Peter's visit with us basically where we started, Jeff. Uh, Speak easy. Uh, Peter, I Congratulate you that you are one of our newest Speakeasy Speakeasy users. Um, what what uh, what was the impetus for you to um, to adopt Speakeasy?
2: This is a good story because you think sometimes it's sometimes a simple answer. But <clears throat> about uh, let's see, um, more than fifteen years ago, I had a, a cardiac ablation. I needed to go to his doctor in University of Pennsylvania. And he was like one of the two guys who's done most of more than more of these procedures than anyone in the world. He's done more than anybody in the United States. The other guys in France, from what I've been told. So he's like, he's like, you know, people waiting online and on months to see this guy, the nurse practitioner comes in, She has a computer on, she takes all the notes, she does the exam. He walks in, takes his stethoscope out, puts it on my heart and off about three minutes. Says, okay, this is what we're gonna do. This is the procedure we're gonna do. This is what you expect. Did not touch a pen, did not touch a keystroke. I said, damn, that'd be so good. You know, but he works for a hospital that's big and he's a big wig. It's gained to the point in my practice that I was getting really busy. We got a lot of new patients. I just wanna sit there and look at the patient eye to eye. Now look, put my fingers on the keyboard. Even though I could type, I'm typing while I'm looking. I just want to get to the point to look at them and have someone, you know, in the room or even out of the room using the headset and or what have you and and doing all the speakeasy, make it easy for them, make it easy for me, walk in, walk out, develop a report, my note is complete, and that's the other thing is, I know this from for years of practice. When the economy is down, guess what happens? Audits go up.
1: Yeah.
2: And the reason because it's the easiest way for the state and the government to get money and who do they get money from, from us. So your charts have to be like clean. Okay. We all have been audited. I've been audited. We've always come out clean, but there's gotta, I mean, there's a time when you get so busy and growing that, you know, you just, you just drop the ball sometimes, sure. so you want systems in place that can do this for you. And that was the impetus of uh, getting speaking.
1: Very good, very good, thank you.
0: Excellent, John, time's flying. Uh, I I can't believe uh, I've got 12 million more questions, uh, but I got the most important ones answered. I I think uh, I wanted to make sure that The Rock was the biggest person on the face of the planet. (laughs) (laughs) Make sure that uh, Peter isn't just selling drugs on the street (laughs) <laughs> and that Brad isn't just a pretty face from Hollywood, but he's an actual doctor. So I think we answered all those questions tonight. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I want to thank you both, uh, Brad and Peter, for, for coming on uh, and taking busy uh, night because this is past everybody's bedtime. You know, right. uh, Wednesday nights are, aren't the best, uh, but you know we're trying to put a program together that uh, brings dynamic content to the podiatric community, and I think we're doing that. Uh, so thank you both for coming on um i'm going to pull you out uh of the shot in, in just a second any any last words for them john no I, I echo
1: jeff's sentiment thank you both so much for for being on with us tonight
2: thank you for having
0: us all right my pleasure I take care okay john so they are uh they are officially gone so um I thought some very interesting comments, very, very interesting. And uh, um, so, uh, you know, you know,
1: you know what I got out of that, Jeff, is that you have, you know, a senior practitioner who's been around quite some time and you have a practitioner that's eight years into the into the business. Yet they they collaborate as if they were basically the same page and same plane um peter actually they're both so humble and eager to learn and that's kind of rare that you know one doesn't dominate over the other they both work together to learn as much as they can from each other that's really uh that was so powerful
0: yeah, it is, and you don't see that very often, and that's a formula for success for sure. Uh, they didn't want to say, and Peter certainly is, is modest about it, but it's a very busy practice, very well known practice. Um, they continue, gro- they're growing beyond uh, expectations, and they've been that, on that trajectory for quite some time. So they're both doing something right. That whole practice is doing something right, and I think that's the key their communication, yeah. their ability and willingness to learn, not I'm right, you're wrong, which is always right. my attitude, but <laughs> 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 we'll let that go. Um, okay, so we've got a couple things to mm-hmm. get to. Let me see if I can get this right. Uh, can't get it right. Okay, so let's talk about the puzzler because that's always my favorite thing. So last week uh, we had a puzzler, we showed up a cartoon character. Ah, I forgot to draw it up, but anyway, there was a cartoon character And the question was, who was this cartoon character? And we played the audio of the cartoon character saying, you know, it was like, boy, I say, boy, I say, boy. It was, of course, Foghorn Leghorn, the great, great cartoon character. We did have a winner immediately. uh, It was Dr. Nancy Gamer. Who uh, sent in the uh, winning thing, and she will get one of our lovely prize packs, of course, which you don't have yet, but she will yeah. get one. Um, and I've got a new puzzler for us this this uh, this week, and I'm going to try and do this. There is a visual and an audio. Hopefully, I'll be able to get this uh, audio in, but I'll know in a second. was an audio, John, you couldn't hear it, I know, but uh, it was a theme song to a 1960-ish TV program. I'm going to throw in a hint because it's not easy trying to hear and see stuff. So this hint, this is, I'm going to put in right now the star of that program, and this is a picture of the star in a typical pose for that program. So that's the puzzler for tonight, and if you know the answer of uh, what TV program, that theme song is from, or this picture that we're showing, what's it from? It's a 1960s. Uh, I'll give a little hits to Western so people will know. I, as always, send the, your response to info at essentialadaptations.com uh, if you want to win. And I certainly do get a lot of entries. Now, the last bit of business, John, is the Google News, what we call good podiatry Google News. And, um, Last time I put a challenge out, and this is very disappointing, I put a challenge out. We talked about the New York College, but the Podiatric College being bought by a medical college in, in New York. And the challenge was, I'll give the prize to anybody in the New York College. Any student, even the old Crotchety professors, I would if they would have emailed us, uh, no response. They didn't respond. So my next challenge is to offer it up to a different school. So we're going to offer it up to Kent State Podi- Podiatry School, which is used to be OCPM, my alma mater. And if they know and they're watching and they just, hey, send us an email at uh, info at essentialadaptations.com and say that they heard OCPM, or which is Kent State University now, mentioned, I'll send a prize back to them. Sound fair?
1: Sounds very fair.
0: Yeah, I would think so.
1: I mean, who would pass up the valuable prizes that we give them?
0: <laughs> You'd be surprised. Uh, the prizes keep increasing, they get better and better. Well, uh, that is a, that was a great episode. Our next episode, as always, is going to be on the third Wednesday of uh, this month, September 16th at 8 p.m. Uh, our goal has always been and will continue to be to produce dynamic content that helps our colleagues and practitioners be more successful in business to bring to light things that could help them and things that are hurting them and making sure everybody's on the same playing field. Uh, Cause we don't really have in podiatry uh, dynamic content that can be streamed out. And we're hoping to fulfill that as always, if you have uh, a topic that you want to t- us to talk about or you want to be on the program, certainly drop us an email. I think another successful episode, John.
1: Absolutely, Jeff, thank you so much.
0: Excellent. All right. Until we meet again on the 17th. Or 16th. Have a good night. All right. Have thanks. Good day, everyone.